0: turn to Romans chapter 7. We're continuing of course our study of the Christian life and we're seeing great truths, foundational theological truths that we need to know and apply so we can have victory. Now in these last lessons that we've been going through we've seen God's provision for victory. It's Romans chapter 6. And you remember the three key words uh, stood out. and There they are on your sheet. They're what? No, consider, present. We know that we did what? We Died and rose again with Christ. So that means when we trusted in Jesus, we were identified in His death, His burial, and resurrection. So we died and rose again with Christ to a new life. What else do we also know? That the flesh is what? Dead. Is dead, okay? Then we consider. That the knowing is, this is what we know. The considering is we're counting on. We're reckoning. It's, it's a term that says, count on this. What do we count on? That we are... Do, do, it the, do it the way that dead... In, dead to sin and alive in Christ. We have to put that, that we're dead to sin. What, what does that mean, dead to sin? It doesn't rule us anymore. Huh? Say that again? It doesn't rule. Or, 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 uh, we're not we, we have an option. It's right. Dead to sin means sin doesn't, not supposed to control us, doesn't have to control us. Sin is not the boss anymore. Okay? And then what do we present? What do we say? Because we stop letting sin reign in our mortal body that we shall obey his lust and do not go on What? presenting the members of our bodies to what? Don't present the members of our body to what? To sin, and that results in unrighteousness. But present the members of our bodies to what? To God, the Holy Spirit, and that is righteousness. So we know what we're to consider. We count it as true. We're new people. We present our bodies. But that there's a problem. I mean, we we could say, well, we know that. So we, we won, Right? We died and rose again with Christ to a new life. Sin's been put to death. We're no longer, uh, we, we, we're not slaves to sin. We're alive in Christ. We don't have to present ourselves to the flesh. If we present ourselves to the flesh, we sin. If we present ourselves to the Spirit, we, we have victory. So what's the problem? Well, there's a problem, right? Because something's wrong. What's wrong? There's this what going on inside? There's this battle going on inside, and that's really, you you, you find out great truth in Romans chapter 6, but when you get into Romans chapter 7, you find out more truth as well. In fact, some of the things that we're going to look at in Romans chapter 7, you may never have thought about. Or you may never have said, "Wait a minute! I never even thought about it in this way." So we're going to look the battle. We got four areas. Let me give them to you. I want you to write something down and like put a dash beside it because we're going to come back in just a second and write a little bit more down. So the first thing, uh, number one, is the law. Put the law, and then put right up beside that, put what is the law, and then after that, put a little dash. What is the law? And put a little dash. Okay. Because we got something I'm going to come back on. Second thing, write down believers and put down, up beside that, a dash and put, we died to the law. Now, we died to what already? We found in chapter 6. What did we die? To the flesh. Do you realize you died to the law? We'll talk about that in just a second. Number three, you ready for number three? Number three, write down the conflict. And put just a dash, okay, because we're going to put something out beside that in just a second. And then number four, put the victory. That's the four things we're going to look at tonight. So go back to the first one where it says the law, and I put what is the law, and there's a dash, right? I want you to put out beside that, law causes us to sin. Law causes us to... To sin. Now, by the second one, did we put believers, we died to the law, is what we put? And put beside that, what does that mean? What does it mean we died to the law? Huh? Well, yeah, we, well there's a system out there that we, we we don't have to come under and we'll talk about it. What do we put for the third one? The conflict? Yes. And put it out beside there, flesh versus spirit. And then where it says the victory, right out beside that, the Holy Spirit. So there's a lot. A lot. You don't you're still at the bottom of the page, you don't I wouldn't turn over yet. Okay. So let's let's <laughs> I know because you're at the bottom of the page you think, Well, hey, we're through, but we've got something down at the bottom we're gonna mention. So let's think about this. I had this friend. And he trusted Christ as Savior. And when he trusted Christ, he, he went really from darkness to light, from being dead to, to, sin, to sin, alive in Christ, and became a child of God. And he was so excited, and he said, you know, I'm a Christian. Now tell me what to do. Give me the rules. Tell me the rights and wrongs. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. Give me the rules of living as a Christian. Uh, are there the rules of living as a Christian? There's a misconception there are many Christians and churches think that the way that you live the Christian life is by a set of rules the rights and the wrongs just tell me don't drink don't smoke don't play cards don't go to movies don't wear certain clothes do this do this you got you can't you got to be there Sunday morning Sunday night when you got it there's all these rules that they have the rights and wrongs I told you the story most of you know the story so it's, it's not but I went to visit a friend in Missouri one time a little small town in Missouri I was coaching at Mississippi State and We both went to the chain. We had gone to the same church in Starville, which was a church like ours, a Grace Church. And uh, I came to visit him. He said, "You got to see this. There's this church right. It's a little country church." He said, "But it's right close to where I live. You got to see this." We got in the car, and that was in the days that churches weren't locked during the day. And so we drove up to the church, and you know, it had that's the old tiny church that you open the front door and you walk into a little vestibule, and then you open more doors and you go into the into the, the. Right before it, you could go in the front door, but before you could go in the next doors, there was a big sign. And it said, all of those in this church have committed to the following things. We will not. There were a list of about 40 things. We will not. We will not drink. We will not do this. We will not go to movies. We will not play cards. It was just a list of all these things they said they would not do, you know. And in their minds, how are you a spiritual Christian? You're a spiritual Christian because you don't do things. You're a spiritual Christian how? If you're controlled by the Holy Spirit. So, you know, so I just want you to think about that. Uh, many times people say, oh, just don't do the wrong things. Well, notice at the bottom of the page, the Christian life is not a set of rules or is lived under the law. It's not. And so we'll talk about it as we go through this and see how it fits together. So do you realize just as we died and rose again with Christ and we died to the flesh, we also died to the law and we're going to talk about it. So we're going to look at these four areas, the law and, how and the fact that we, we died to the law and the conflict and all those kind of things. So let's look at number one. Number one is the law. And when you think of law, what do you think? And I want you to understand that when we say law, we're, there's two big aspects or two aspects when, when the Bible talks about it. Talks about law. A is the law system, and put beside that, the Mosaic law, the law system, the Mosaic law. When most people think of law, they think of the Ten Commandments, and what they don't realize is when you say Ten Commandments, you're actually talking about the 622 commandments in, in the in the code, the Mosaic law. I mean, when you start looking at it, you've got Exodus and then Leviticus. And then a little bit of numbers, and then a whole bunch of Deuteronomy, which is second law. And so, when the Jewish people, when you look at the Mosaic law, and I know I know Christians who believe we're under the Mosaic law, and they say there's certain foods you can't eat. Uh, in fact, they think Sunday's the Sabbath day, so they say you can't do anything on the Sabbath because under the Mosaic law said keep the Sabbath holy. What day is Sabbath? Saturday. It's Saturday. Say, but some of them they don't even know that. And so they think that they're under some kind of uh, Mosaic law. I want you to understand Mosaic law 622 commandments that dealt with the moral code, the sacrificial system, the, the civil life, the relationships. But the Mosaic law was temporary, it was temporary. It started with Moses when they got out of Egypt. They went to Mount Sinai. He went up on the mountain. He came back with Ten Commandments. They broke them all. He went back up there again. He got ten more, and then he got the rest of them. And over a period of time, they came up with the system. Uh, when I say they came up, God gave to them the system. And this is a temporary system because it began with Moses and ended with Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ is the end of the law. In fact, I think, I don't know if I put the verse, uh, but but uh, uh, Romans 10.4, Christ is the end of the law to all who believe. And actually Romans chapter 6 verse 14 says we're not under law, but we're under grace. So the, the, the Mosaic law was temporary. So when people say that we're under the law, uh, we've never been under the Mosaic law because first of all, it started long before we were born and ended long before we were born. We've never been under it. But there are a lot of people who seek to live the Christian life. There's a whole group of people who are into Reformed theology. Reformed theology, uh, I think, misses a lot of things. And a whole bunch of people in Reformed theology are called theominists, which means you, you go to the law. And there are a lot of people who actually believe we're to live the Christian life by obeying the Mosaic Law commandments. And, and that's a pretty rugged thing. And then you, what, what you want to ask them is, well, what about the sacrificial system? Do we not do that now? If you're going to say we obey the Mosaic law system and you say Ten Commandments and then you say all the food items and then you say the clothes items, are you going to do the clothes items too? Anybody in this room got on a clothes clothes that have two different kinds of material? You can't do that under the Mosaic law. You can't plant two different kind of crops in the same place. You, you, I mean there's all kind of rules under the Mosaic law and and these people say we're under law but then is selective on what part they'd like to be under. So that's, that's the Mosaic law. And now the second aspect, B, is law as a principle. Law as a principle. And that is that there are certain things that are always right and always wrong. Romans chapter 2 basically says in verse 15 that God has written the law on our hearts. What's it called? What's the law on our hearts called? Let me draw this little man up here. Okay? And we say we have a what? Body and a soul. Conscience. What's that? That's the law written on our hearts, the rights and wrongs. And then what else do we have? The flesh. Okay? And we'll we'll come more, we'll fill him in here in just a minute again. But the conscience is actually law within us. Because even, almost all cultures would say there are certain things that are right. Most, most cultures would say that it's wrong to steal, that it's wrong to lie, that it's wrong to kill people. I mean, those just everywhere there's a system inside of people. Now, so the law as a, and if you put it under this as law as a principle given to all people. Now, when we say we're under law, we're not under the Mosaic law. We're not saved by keeping a law. We don't live the Christian life by keeping a law. But in the New Testament, we see the law of Christ. Okay, now write that down. See it there, the law of Christ. The law of Christ is also called the law of Christ. Love, oh, excuse me, the law of love. When Jesus was asked the greatest commandment, what did he say? Love. The love of the Lord you go with all your heart and all your soul. And the second one is equal to it. What is it? Love your neighbor. See the law of love, and he said all the law is fulfilled in this. So the Mosaic law. And the, the law of love or the principle of law all goes back to love, loving God and loving others. That's what it boils down to. So when the Bible talks about the law of Christ, and it does in the New Testament, it talks about the law of Christ. And that's not a Mosaic law system, and it's not a set of rule system. It's loving others. In fact, Jesus said, I've changed it a little bit. I gave you a new commandment. The old commandment was love, love your neighbor as, and then, but the new commandment is love others as, I have loved you you. That's, that's, the, that's the law of Christ. Okay, so in the New Testament, we see that. Now, realize we're not under the Mosaic law for Christian life. We're not under a set of laws for the Christian life. And if you want to say that there's any law aspect at all, it's the law of love or the law of Christ. And so whatever you do, you do what you think should be done that would show love to someone else. That's what he talks about. Now, with that in mind, let's talk about law. Why did God give law? Why did God give Mosaic law? Why are there rights and wrongs? The purposes of the law, number one, is to show us we are sinners. The law shows that we are sinners. Let me read for you. This is Roman. You don't have to turn there at all. If you want to write the verse down, Romans 3, 19, and 20. Listen to this. This is what It says, let me let everybody get through writing. The law tells us or shows us we're sinners. Listen to this. He says, "Now that we know whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under law, so that every mouth may be closed and all the world become accountable to God." So when you look at the law, what does it tell you? Shut your mouth. You messed up. For for goes, because by the works of the law no flesh could ever be justified, because through the law comes the knowledge of sin. When you look at the Ten Commandments, what does it tell you? You can't keep them, right? I mean, you've broken the. Have, have you broken the Ten Commandments? You've broken them all. You might have said, "Oh, I wish I had that." You just coveted. You said, "Oh, I wasn't there." You just lied. Uh, you know. I mean, it just it's everywhere. So when we look at the law, it shows us we're sinner. Number two, the law points us to Christ. The law points us to Christ, and I want you to just write out beside that. Uh, let me let everybody get it written down. law points us to Christ. Galatians chapter 3. And if you want to, just put 21 through 25. Galatians 3, 21 through 25. And it actually says that the law was our schoolmaster. The law basically said, look over here. That's how you can be saved. Because when you look to the law, what does it tell you? You can't keep it. And the law actually points us to Christ. And Paul writes it in Galatians and says, The law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ so we would be saved. The law shows us that. The third thing the law does is it shows us the character of God. The character of God. I mean, when you think about it, did Jesus keep the law perfectly? Well, That's his character. Uh, you know, he never sinned, right? So when you think about law, and people say things like, oh, the law is how we live. And we say, no, the law is not how we live. The law shows us a sinner, the law points to Christ, and the law shows us the character of God. The law does not... uh, save us. The law is not how we live the Christian life. Now, what I want to show you, this is something that I think is an amazing truth because I never really thought about it until I started studying and growing and all this stuff. And you get start saying, wow, I never really thought about this. But at the top of the next page, here's a great truth that we to grasp. The law causes us to sin. Now, I want you to grasp that. Because if the law, if the Christian life was supposed to be lived by the law, the law causes you to do what? Sin. sin. So if you put yourself under law trying to live the Christian life, what are you going to do? Sin. You're going to sin all the time. So the law causes us to sin. You went to, where was that y'all were at? Silver where? Silver Dollar City. They were at Silver Dollar City. And what does it say? There's a, there's a thing and then you walk by. What does it say? Don't what? Don't it says don't look in the hole. What did you do? I looked in the hole, right, because law says don't do something. They sent me a picture. I wish I had. She, I started to bring that thing down and put that picture. They sent me a picture to show me. But the bottom line is, if somebody says don't do that, if it says don't walk on the grass, what do you feel like doing? Walking on the grass, going to tell me not to walk on the grass. I mean, because that's what law does. Law causes us to sin. I want you to look at Romans chapter 7. Look at verse 5. For while we were in the flesh, living in the flesh, the sinful passions, sinful passions of the flesh, which were what aroused by the law, were working the members of our body to bring fruit, to bear fruit for death. What does the law do? It arouses what sin. It does. It does. We live. And if you want to put our passions rebel against the law our passions, our flesh, our desires rebel against the law. And so anytime the law tells us to do something, I've told you all this story, I know, but it's so true. Be, uh, th- th- there was, uh, Hurricane Camille came through Mississippi years ago, even when I was in college, and it just it, it wiped out everything on the Gulf Coast, wiped out everything. And since then, they've had another one. But after that, they rebuilt... A bunch of big big old, big old, uh, like holiday inns, big old hotels, motels, and uh, they had they were like high, seven or eight stories, and there were balconies on each one. And what they didn't realize is that people could get on their balcony, and it was close enough to the water, people might fish. That's what they thought people might fish, and they were afraid that if people fished off, that might come back and break the windows or something. Now, nobody had ever fished off there. So they put signs up, no fishing off the one. Balcony. What do you think people started doing? They started fishing. This. When I go across, I go to the, I go to Lower Alabama. I go to LA every summer to Lower Alabama, and we always go across uh, the the Mobile Bay. And on Mobile Bay, there's a sign as you go across the bridge, and it's a long old bridge. It says no fishing off the bridge. Guess what? You see every time you're driving across, there's a car stopped and somebody's fishing off the bridge. That's because anytime you tell people to what, you can't do this. You say. Wait a minute, because what's the flesh? Flesh is flesh is prideful. Flesh is I do what I want to do. So our passions rebel against the law. Look at Romans chapter seven, verse eight. But sin, a sin flesh, taking opportunity through the commandment, that's the law, produced in me coveting of every kind. Paul said, I didn't really even know coveting was wrong until I saw the law that said don't covet, so I coveted. That's what Paul says. And you could say, I didn't know that I should not look through a hole until it said, don't look through the hole, and I look through the hole. That's what law does. It causes us to sin. Look at verse 10. And this commandment, the law, which was to result in life, it should have, proved to result in what? Death. Why? How did it result in death? Because you sinned. Right, so just grasp this. When people tell you that give you a set of rules, let me ask you something. If somebody said that you can't go to a movie, what do you want to do? I want to go to If you can't wear that swimsuit, no, if you, you've got it, you can't wear shorts that are this short, you've got to wear them this long, you can't wear them this, well, you're going to say, I'll put these things on if I want to, right? Because anytime you put yourself under some kind of code or rules in which you're going to seek to live by, you're going to make yourself break them because that's what law does. It just, it breaks your heart. I mean, it does, because I've known people, I, I, I remember a, a years and years and years ago, it was a Wednesday night, as the other uh, church, and it was, I mean, we're talking maybe almost 30 years ago, and this little lady just showed up at about 5 o'clock, and she said, I need to talk to somebody. So I talked to her for for a while, and talked to her about Christ and everything, and, and I finally said, hey, why don't, why don't you stay for church? We can fix and have church in just a few minutes. She said, oh, I can't. I have on blue jeans. You can't wear pants to church. I've I just stopped by, but I know that I've done wrong by coming here. I said, no, no, no. You, you, who said you can't wear pants to church? You cannot wear pants in church. And I violated that. And she walked out the door and wouldn't stay for church. See, because somebody told her that she couldn't wear pants. And that she, you know, was desperate to see somebody. So she violated the law to come see me. But then she couldn't stay for church because that would violate the law in another way. So the law brings sin and death. Why? Because you can't keep it. The second thing, this is wonderful news. The second thing is, believers, we died to the law. Now, you remember just like when we trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, we died and rose again, and we died to the what? To the flesh, right? We died to the flesh. Well, guess what? Same truth, when we trusted in Jesus Christ and were placed in union in him, we died to the law. Look at Romans chapter 7 verse 4. Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the what? How? Through the body of Christ so that you might be joined to another. Who's the other? Who did you get joined to? Jesus Christ. So notice, uh, we're joined to Christ. So he said that you might be, so him who was raised from the dead, nor that we might bear fruit to God. Guess what? When you trusted in Jesus Christ, not only did you die and rise again to a new life and that you died to the flesh and you don't have to obey the flesh anymore, guess what else you died to? You died to a law system. Because what's the purpose of the law? Three purposes. What was it? Show you that you're what? A sinner. Point you to Christ and show you the character of God. That's what the purpose of the law is. Law, the, listen, in in Second in Peter, uh, Peter says... The law, is, if used lawfully, is good. He said it's used to show unbelievers that they're sinners and need a Savior. He didn't say the law is the Christian life. Nobody does. So, I mean, that, that's, that's the bottom line. So, get this that we're joined to another. The result is this in order that we may bear fruit to God. Look, look at Galatians. Or let me read it. I, I know it's just hard to have to flip to everything. Look at, listen to Galatians chapter 2. Let me read this verse. He says, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I died to the law. What a great truth. So think about this. We died and rose again with Christ to a new life. We already saw back in Romans 6 that we are dead to what? Dead to sin. We now find in Romans chapter 7 we're dead to what? To law. To law. Listen, please don't put yourself under law. When you put yourself under law, it makes you sin. Jesus never said, "Here's here's." While he as while he lived on this earth, they were under Mosaic law. Just understand that, and that's why he says, "When the Pharisees tell you to do something, do what they say, but don't do what they do, because they don't do what they say." <laughs> no, he, he is great. We're told we we died and rose again. We died to the flesh; we're free from the flesh. We also died to the law; we are free from the what? The law. Yes, we are free from the law. Wow, it is so beautiful. Now, this, this is this is this is. I'm trying to I'm trying to tell you that Paul is telling us that you don't put yourself under a law system to live the Christian life. Let me ask you something. You remember when Paul went to the, the the region of Galatia and he went in there and he went in there and he told these people about Christ and how they were saved by grace through faith, and they trusted in Christ and he, he taught them everything, and then he left. And then after he left, some people came in called Judaizers, which believed that you had to do good works to be saved and you had to live the Christian life under the law. So Paul wrote the letter to the Galatians. And if you ever read the letter to the Galatians, the first two chapters deal with salvation is by faith and faith alone. Chapters 3 and 4 come and say you're not under a law system. You can't live Christian life under law. And so he has to correct both of those problems. Now, you're going to find this everywhere. Number one, people have, have works for salvation, and they have law for Christian life. And it's everywhere. It's everywhere. I grew up in the South. I didn't go to church. But even after I trusted Christ, I found so many Christians who thought the Christian life was a set of rules. I mean, I had people, you know, I, I, I happened to go to a Baptist church. When I trusted Christ and NAP, the guy that led me to Christ was a pastor of a Baptist church. And I had people come up to me and say, so y'all don't, y'all don't dance, do you? Mm -hmm. And you know, a lot of Baptists didn't dance because it was wrong. David danced before the ark, right? So wait a minute, it's not dancing that's wrong. It's how you dance that's wrong, right? Cards aren't wrong. It's what you do with cards that could be wrong. You just got to be real careful. Clothes aren't wrong, it's according to how you wear these clothes, right? Uh, So it's just all that rules. So A and B under there, I want you to see, A, we died and rose again with Christ, so we're dead to the law and alive in Christ. Dead to the law, alive in Christ. That's A, just put that down. Dead Dead to the law and alive in Christ. Now, B, I want you to grasp this one. The law has finished its work. The law has finished its work. What what was the law's purpose? Show us we're sinners, point us to Christ, and show us the character of God. That's the purpose of the law. The law is not the Christian life. So remember, the purpose of the law is not for us to live the Christian life. We live in the newness of the Spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. By the way, when Paul wrote about that. The newness of the Spirit is the Holy Spirit. The oldness of the letter is the law. He says, you're not under the oldness of the letter. You're not under the law. You're under grace. So anytime we put ourselves under the law, what are we going to do? Sin. We're going to sin. Just just remember how how she failed so horribly by looking through that hole. You know? No, I'm just kidding. But the truth is that that's what we do. Okay, now. Now we're going to get into the part that I I love and I hate at the same time because it almost makes you feel a little better when you read this because here's what Paul says and when you read what Paul says, you say I do the same thing Paul did. So, so Paul was so great, but that didn't mean he didn't mess up. And so we're going to see the conflict. And really when you, you we think about the two natures, the battle of the flesh and the spirit. Let me let me write this up for you. I'll leave that right there. This is the this is an unbeliever, but now a believer. What what's what 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 do we add to this thing? Okay, we have the spirit. We're spiritually alive, and we could say human spirit. And then what else do we have? Holy Spirit. Spirit. So now we got a conflict, flesh and the spirit. This is the new cre. This what is this? A new creation in Christ. Mm -hmm. This is the old man. This is the new man. Is that right? Now I'm going to show you something tonight that you may, have, you may have not thought of. Most If you've been around long enough, you've heard me say this before, but I'm going to show you something. There's this battle going on, but I want you to see something incredible. The flesh versus the spirit, spirit against the flesh, the law and the grace, flesh and spirit, old man, new man, new creation. One brings sin and death, the other brings righteousness. We can live in one of two ways. Notice this, two ways to live. We can walk in the power of the... Holy Spirit, or we can walk in the flesh. what flesh. That's it. That's it. Now I've got something for you to think about that you might not have heard before, and I'm going to show you something. And and then you gotta you you gotta have to trust me. There are times that I you just got to trust me on this, okay? And I'm going to show you something, but I want you to remember that when we trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, that we have have a body and we have a soul. Which what does the soul relate to? the world around us, and they got a conscience that tells us right from wrong, and then we got the flesh, which is the bent to sin. It's, sometimes in the Bible it'll say, stop letting sin reign your mortal body. It's not saying sins, it's not saying stop letting personal sins reign, it's saying stop letting the flesh reign. So many times when sin is in the singular, it's referring to your capacity to sin, your nature to sin, it's not referring to particular sins. Uh, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's talking about a personal sin. The wages of sin, you know, but here we got this one right here. Now, then when we trust in Christ, we are born again, we're a new creation in Christ, right? And the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. Now, here's something that I want you to realize. You are a new creation, right? And you're different than you've ever been before, right? Okay. Now, I want you to understand this part of you Cannot sin. This part of you cannot sin. The new creation in Christ, who you are in Jesus, that cannot sin. Where does your sin come from? The flesh. Exactly right. Now we're going to see Paul explaining that, but I want to show you something. Anybody in here have a King James Bible? You do? Good. Hang on, hold to. I want you to. I want all of us to turn to First John chapter three, verse nine, and turn to it in your King James Bible. Okay, John, three. three, verse nine. First John chapter three, verse nine. Anybody, okay, anybody got a New American Standard? That's, that's of course, the real Bible. <laughs> okay, you got a Schofield, what, is it? what kind is it? It's a King James Bible. It's a King James, so you have a King James as well. well we got this one here. Yeah, this is a New American Standard, though, right? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to read to you what the New American Standard says, and then if you anybody got an NIV in here, okay, okay. All right, listen to the New American Standard. Here's what it says. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Now that verse is wrong, by the way. It's right in part of the verse and wrong in part of the verse. You got an NIV. What does NIV say? Okay, no one who is born of God will what? Continues. Will continue to sin. This one says will practice sin. Tell me what the King James Bible says. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. That's it. Stop right there. Whoever is born of God what? does not commit sin. Now, the rest of the verses also go on to say because his seeds abide in him and he cannot sin. In the original language, in the Greek, I, could, I, I wish I started to say, I'll just put it up here tonight to show you. The Bible does not say whoever is born of God does not practice sin. It does not say that. It does not say whoever continues in sin. It actually says whoever is born of God does not do sin. That's what it says. So this part of you. Cannot sin. Now, this is one of the few places that the New American Standard does not translate what the original language says. Now, the reason is because the people who translated this think think that if you say if you're born of God, you cannot sin. They all know that you what? Everybody what? Everybody sins. But what's he talking about? This part of you what? What's born of God? What's the new creation? What's been spiritually alive? What is it? That's you, right there. This is what's born of God. And that cannot sin. In fact, the verse, let me, let me read it this way. No one is born of God practices sin. It doesn't say that. It says no one is born of God does sin because the seed abides in him and he, what? Cannot sin because he is born of God. If you've been born of God, born again, you, this part of you, cannot sin. Sin. Okay, how do you feel about that? You feel pretty good, don't you? I mean, isn't that pretty good? But so why do you sin? It's right there. And so, you st- So, I want you to grasp this because when we start seeing what Paul says, it's going to make sense because Paul's going to say, when I sin, it's not really me. And you'd think, Paul's schizophrenic. You know, Paul's not schizophrenic. Listen, when you sin... Is it you, the new creation in Christ, sinning? No. You can't sin. What's sinning? The old, the old man. Okay? So let's look at it. This is so beautiful. Let's look at the battle. Look at chapter 7. of Go back, uh, go back to Romans chapter 7. And look at verse 15. And we're going to see Paul. And we're going to see Paul at, at... Paul will tell you this is his worst. Other than the fact that he... Um, uh, killed a bunch of people, tried to kill people, uh, uh, rejected Christ, put them into prison, uh, gave his vote to put him to death, he would say, I'm not deserving or worthy of anything in my life, and yet God saved him. That's what Paul would say. In fact, Paul said, out of all the sinners in the world, who's number one? Paul's number one. By the way, you you could be, you, we're all pretty bad, but none of us are number one. Paul said that out of all the sinners, he's number one. So the worst the worst we can be is number two on the list. And so Paul said, but look what he says, chapter 7, verse 15. He says, for what I'm doing, I don't understand. For I'm not practicing what I'd like to do, but I'm doing the very thing I hate. So when your thing, thinking, says, I don't really understand what I'm doing, okay? I don't understand what I'm doing. Now let me ask you something. When you sin, sometimes do you say, I don't understand why I'm doing this? Do you ever do that? and you go I can't believe I'm doing this because I know I'm not supposed to do this and I actually don't really want to do this but I'm doing it. So notice what he says. I am not now apparently I am not practicing what I want to do but I'm doing the thing I hate. Okay? Look what he says. You write it in there. He says for I'm what I'm doing I, I don't understand for I'm not practicing what I'd like to do but I'm doing the very thing I hate. You ever feel that way? Have you ever sinned and you said what I really want to do is I'm not doing, and what I don't want to do, what I actually hate, I'm doing. True or false for all of us? Okay, that's what he's saying. Now watch what he goes on to say. Uh, and I could put down there that uh, we we hate to sin, we want to sin. Is that true? Yeah. You know, if sin was horrible, how many of us would do it? I mean, it's horrible, but we do it, right? And I'm saying this, the things I don't want to do, I do, and the things I... I want to do, I don't do. I'm doing the very thing I actually want. I hate. I hate. Yes. I lost you. Okay, baby. <laughs> I am not we that. hate to sin. We want to sin. You, you got it. Oh, oh, I'm practicing what I don't want, but I am doing the very thing I hate. Yeah, you got it. I lost it. Now, you did good. You, you're right there. You're right there. You say there's a desire. Huh? There's a desire to sin. It, we, we're saying we want to. Sure we do. Where's it come from? Exactly. How many of us in this room want to sin? How many of you don't want to sin? I don't want to. I don't want to. But, but you do sin. And he's. I don't. I don't understand what I'm doing. For the things that I want to do, I'm not doing, and I'm doing the very thing I what. I hate. So, do I want to sin? No, but yes. Right? Isn't this what Paul's saying? How do you feel about this? You want to sin? No. Do you sin? Yeah. So, are you doing the very thing you hate? And you're not doing the very thing you want to do? What is wrong with us? Right? What is wrong with us? Uh, There's the battle. And let me tell you, you remember? If you yield to the flesh, what do you get? If you yield to the Spirit, what do you get? Righteousness. So Paul says, I don't grasp this. The thing I really want to do, which is live righteously, I'm not doing, and the very thing I don't want to do, which is sin, I'm doing it, and I hate it. Right? Now look what he goes on to say. Okay? Verse 16. But if I do the very thing I don't want to do, I agree with the law, confessing the law is good. What does the law tell me? The law tells you the what? The law says, the law shows us that we're sinners. I agree with the law. What does the law tell you? Don't lie. What do you do? You lie. So what does he say? He says, when I look into the law, I see that I lie, so I agree with the law. I'm a liar. Right? Any of us liars in here? You ever lied? I'm a liar. Right? Okay? So now, we're not through. (laughs) The next verse gives us... Understanding. Look at verse 17. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. He says, I am not the one doing it. I'm not the one sinning. I'm no longer the one sinning. I'm no longer the one sinning, but what? Sin within me, flesh within me. I'm not the one doing it. Listen, Paul says, when I do bad, that's not me. <laughs> it's true. Who is Paul? New creation in Christ. Who are you? Aren't you a new creation in Christ? Hadn't you died and rose again with Christ to a new life? You're a new creation in Christ. You've been born again. Uh, you've been seated and raised. Listen, I always say this. You, did, you, were you, did you die with Christ? Were you buried with Christ? Did you rise with Christ? Are you seated in the heavenlies with Christ? Is that who you are? Do you have spiritual gifts? Do you have the Bible? Do you have the Holy Spirit? Is this who you are? Yes. So when you sin, who's doing it? It's really the old me, not the new me. The new me can't what? new me can't sin. The new you can't sin. So when you're sinning, you can just blame your old self because that's what Paul's doing. That's exactly what he's doing. Now watch. He says, for it's no longer I am the one doing it, but the sin that dwells within me. Sin within me. Then look at verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is my what? What does he say? My flesh. Write that in. nothing good dwells in the flesh. The flesh. The flesh is hostile to God. The flesh never obeys God. The flesh, you can't please God. The flesh cannot be cleaned up. God didn't come in and say, I'm going to make this better. He's not making this better. This is what's better. This is what's new. This is what was dead is now alive. And now we have this battle until the day that he comes and takes us and changes this lowly body into his kind of body, and then the flesh will be gone. And we all say, Whoo, hallelujah. I'll be glad when that comes. But that's not where we live right now. Okay, now watch what he says. For I knowing that the that nothing good dwells in me that is my flesh. For the willingness present in me, but the doing is good, good is not. I want to do good, but I don't. So watch what he says in verse nineteen. For the good I want, the good that I want, I do not. But I practice the very evil that I do not want to do. So in verse nineteen, I says I don't do the good I want to do, and I do the what bad i don't want to do is this is this true in your life y'all know where we are are you missing something i have a question okay Yeah, he, yeah, it is, and he's not really saying I don't have the ability. He, he's he's basically saying the the willing is uh, the willing is present, but the doing is of the good is not because this doing can't do it. So he's actually saying the willing when I'm when I'm when I'm doing this, I can do anything because I'm a new creation in Christ and I can't sin. But when I'm living and I'm living by this, it's impossible for me to do uh, what I'm supposed to do. That's why if you live in the flesh, what happens? You sin and you die. You understand that, right? What kind of death? Temporal death. Okay? So look what he says. So what did we do? Verse 19. Yeah, but what is this? What? I can't. Right there. The flesh. Okay. See? See? What? In me, what? The flesh. Okay? In verse 19 again, he just says What? For the good I want to do, I don't do, and I practice the very evil that I don't want to do. So I don't do the good I want to do, and I do the bad or the evil I don't want to do. So how are we feeling about ourselves right now? You know this, that this part of you cannot sin. This is who you are. So do we go through life, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace, or do we go through life saying I'm a new sinner? creation in Christ so watch what Paul goes on to say verse 20 but if I'm doing the very thing I don't want to do if I'm doing what if I'm sinning guess what I'm no longer the one doing it but sin that dwells in me who is the one doing it the flesh Paul says I'm not the one doing it Paul's not the one doing it because Paul would say oh no no, no no I can't sin I can't sin this is me so if I'm sinning, it's not really me. Now, he's not saying I'm exempt from sinning. He's just saying the new, I'm the new person and the new person can't sin. So when I'm sinning, it's not, it's not me, but it's the flesh within me. Okay? It's flesh that dwells within me. So if we go to the top of the next page at verse 21, look what he says, and this is a key. I find then the principle that evil is present in me the one who wants to do good. What is the principle? There is evil in me, the one who wants to do good. You want to do good? Why do you do bad? You want to do good? Why do you do bad? Because there's what in you? There's evil in you. There's evil in you. This is you. Yay! This is also you, but this is the evil in you. And so you say, "I want to do good," and this says, no, "You're not doing good." And time we listen to this, what do we do? We do evil. And when we do evil, we say, "I don't understand this. Though, what I really want to do is good, but I'm really doing evil." And so he sums it up by saying, "I found this principle. The principle is, the guy that wants to do good has evil inside of him. So when people say, "Are people good or bad?" people are basically what? We're all evil. We have a capacity to sin, to do wrong, and only because we're a new creation in Christ can we do good. Now, with that in mind, let's talk about the victory, which you all know. How do we gain the victory? Through the Holy Spirit. Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the strength and the power. Have you ever thought about the fact that you, as a new creation in Christ, cannot sin? You can't sin. So whenever you're sinning, don't think, gee, I'm blowing it. No, no, no. You're not blowing it because you can't sin. What's it's blowing it is this over here, your flesh, your sin, your evil, the evil that is in you. That's, that's what's doing it. And that's what Paul is saying. And we have already saw back in Romans chapter 6, he said, you've got to know, you've got to know that you died to this. You've got to consider yourself dead to this and alive in Christ as a new creation. You've got to stop letting this rule in your life because if you do, you're going to be going around all the time saying, I don't know why I'm doing the things I'm doing. I want to do good, but I do bad. The good I want to do, I don't do. And the bad that I don't want to do, I do. What a rich man! And I found this principle. This principle is that inside me, a guy who wants to do good, there's evil inside of me. That's why we're in a battle. That's why in Galatians it says, "The flesh lusts against the spirit, spirit against flesh; they contrary one to another, so that you may not do the things you want to do." You got this battle inside of you, and the more we recognize it and say, "This is me. I gotta quit being this, and I gotta be this." Because I don't have to listen to this. Remember, we already know that. We died to the flesh and we died to the what? Why did he make sure we died to the law? Because the law does what? Causes you to sin. The law says to this, you can't do it. And this says, I am too going to do it. Nobody going to tell me what to do. am, Am I right? That's exactly what it is. So, how do we have victory through the, through, uh, the, uh, the Holy Spirit? Uh, Romans seven twenty five 25 says, We have all thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Victory. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 25, the victory is through Jesus Christ. It's through God. God in us. Sometimes they'll say God. Sometimes they'll say the Spirit. Sometimes they'll say Jesus. But the idea is God within us that gives us the great victory. So, in Romans chapter 8, if you notice verse 5, he says, For those who are according to the flesh, in other words, if you put your minds, those who are according to the flesh, you set your mind on the things of the flesh. That's the bit. So, your flesh and your mind is on the what? The flesh. the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, if you're living by the Spirit, that your mind is on the what? The the things Spirit. of the Spirit. Listen, you're either thinking this way, or you're thinking This way. That's why back in chapter 6, he says, stop thinking that way. Stop letting sin reign. Stop giving your body over to that mess. Because that's what we're like. This is amazing stuff. Now, chapter 8, verses 12 and 13. Basically, let me read them for you. So then, brethren, we're under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Right? You're under obligation not to live by the what? What? flesh because flesh really isn't who flesh really isn't you right no. that's not you when you're sinning that's not you sinning that's your old man sinning and that's not who you are you're not the old man you're the new man you're the new creation so he says we're under obligation not to the flesh to live according to flesh for if you're living according to the flesh you must what what kind of die what kind of die temporal death but if you by the spirit you're putting the de- de- uh, death the deeds of the flesh you will what So down there it says, if we live by the, if we live by flesh, we what? We die. Okay? And if we live by the Spirit, we have life and peace. Life and peace. Beautiful. See, look at verse 6. If, for if the mind is set on the flesh, there's what? Yeah. But if the mind is set on the spirit, is what? Life. Life and peace. Wow. I know this is hard. I know it's deep. It's kind of deep. Most people don't talk about this. Anybody ever talked to us about, uh, y'all been ever taught this before? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I mean, maybe. <laughs> well, of course, you've been taught by money, but no. <laughs> I mean, but think about this. This is such, this is such, this is deep stuff. I mean, have you ever said to yourself, I'm not, when I sin, I'm not really the one sinning? <laughs> I mean, that's what Paul says. That's what was true. So we've seen the law as the character, and the law causes us sin, and we die to the law and we got this battle, and all those things are going on. So let me give you some applications, or basically one big application with three parts to it. Number one, let's understand the battle within every believer. Let's understand the battle within every believer. And 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 by the way, there're going to be people tell you that you're supposed to live by law, and and you need to get a whole set of rules to live by. And there're going to be people who will tell you that uh, that when you read that verse, and it says that if you sin, uh, then it shows you that you're not a Christian. There are people who will take that first John passage that says any one born of God does not practice sin, and they'll say if you if you continue in sin it proves you're not a Christian. That passage says, if you're born of God, you don't sin. In fact, the verse goes on to say that you cannot sin. So they take the verse completely out of context, and they miss the meaning of the verse, but they want people to be worried that if you live in sin, or if you've got sin in your life, you're probably not a Christian. You're not born of God. You're born of God. You can't sin, but you still sin because it's your flesh. A, we are new people in Christ. We are new people in Christ. We died to the what? To the flesh, and we died to the law. law. Isn't that amazing? I tell you what, give it an experiment. Put yourself under a law for a week. Get six or seven laws, and put yourself under them and say, I can't do these things, they'd be wrong. You'll want to violate every one of them. You do. Don't walk on the grass. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about walking on the grass. I'm, you know, uh, Right? Right, yeah, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, just that whole idea of, of uh, you know, um, yeah. you know, it's really funny because I've talked to people and they say, I didn't want a car until everybody started talking about you need a new car and then you start looking at these cars and all of a sudden you want these cars and you never had any desire to have a car. And somebody said, well, you don't need that new car. And then you said, well, you know, I, I might, I might need a new car. I mean, I might, you know, I mean, it's before you know it, you're, you're, you know, somebody told you you can't do something, that means you're going to do something, you know. That old saying is, just tell someone they can't do it and they'll do it. What do you do with little kids? Don't you come hug me. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No, don't come hug me. They'll come running up and hug you every time, right? Unless they really don't want to hug you. But anyway, the bottom line is, we're new people in Christ. We're, okay, the number B, B, letter B. The flesh still lives in us. What's it called? It's also called evil in you. How do you feel... Knowing that you're evil. (laughs) Doesn't that bother you a little bit? Doesn't it bother us? That actually we're evil. You know, you're capable of any sin. Any sin. You may say, oh, I'd never do something like that. You put us in the wrong place at the wrong time, we will do the wrong thing. We can never say, I would never do that. You don't know. You just put yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. There are people who say, I never thought I'd do something like that. We just never know. So we've got to be careful because we're capable of any sin. So don't go around saying, well, I would never do that. You know, you you just don't know. You don't know what can happen to you. You don't know because you've got this evil in you. And then C, uh, well, I want to re- Oswald Chambers said, we're a mixture of the old and the new, the old man flesh, the new man, the new creation. <coughs> don't be surprised if we're pulled by sin. C, only in the power of the Holy Spirit can we have victory. Only in the power of the Holy Spirit can we have victory. There's a saying that I've read, and I like it. It says this, the new birth happens at a moment, but growth is over a lifetime. That's true. You become a new creation in Christ, but this growth is this battle, is this battle. And I sometimes, sometimes understanding what the battle is helps us to win it. Because you, this is us. Let's, let's, let's say to ourselves, you know who I am? I'm a new creation in Christ. I can't even sin. I got God inside of me. I got the Bible. I got friends. I've got all this. I'm, I'm going to live this way. And this part in here is evil and says, no, you're not. No, you're not. You ever wondered why the people who are the most legalistic Christians are the most unhappy as Christians? It's because they're miserable, because they're sinning all the time, and because they're always constantly fighting this urge to go against the rules that they're supposed to live under. And it just breaks your heart.